deals in money, we are constantly seeking deals in money as real estate investors. And I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors. And you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Followup Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Run away from courses. If the person's selling you a course but doesn't do it, don't talk. Just leave. But if you want to accelerate your game, find somebody that's ahead of you and pay them for their knowledge and get out your checkbook. That's it. Be prepared to pay up for somebody that knows what the heck they're doing and don't be cheap about it. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Sam Wilson. Sam is joining us from Memphis, Tennessee. He is the founder of Bricken Investment Group, which syndicates RV parks and storage facilities across the country. Sam, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? Hey, I'm good, Ash. How about yourself? I'm very well. It's a pleasure to have you. Sam, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, so uh, always been a, an entrepreneur, grew up in an entrepreneurial family, owned my own business until I was about 30, and I sold that and didn't know what to do next in life. Accidentally wound up buying a house and got into real estate, and here we are almost a decade later, and I've done every iteration of real estate that you can imagine, solely focusing on commercial real estate now. RV parks, boat and RV storage. Still have my hands in some other business interests, but uh, that's the primary focus. Sam, what was the business that you sold when you were 30? It was a flooring company. So we were involved in the trades. We weathered the 08 crisis. I had 30 guys working for me and then went all the way down to one, which was a very painful experience from dress clothes to back to boots and jeans and out working in the field for a couple of years, which we weathered the storm, built that company back up and sold it in 2012. But yeah, I was in the flooring industry. And I would imagine all those years you were exposed to a lot of different real estate investments. <laughs> it's funny. I've thought a lot about that. And maybe I just wasn't still not very smart, but just didn't have the intellectual understanding of all these guys I'm working for and gals. I mean, people making huge money doing huge projects. And there was never that consideration of like, oh, that could be me. 
I was just the guy running, just heads down, running, running flooring crews. And it's and it, uh, I was on the wrong side of the equation, I'll tell you that. But yeah, a lot of exposure. Or on the flip side, you saw some of the headaches and wanted no part of that. And that's why you're doing something a little bit more passive. Yeah, well, that's true. Certainly my 10-year goal, I'll be honest, us, is to be a completely passive investor. I've got my hands in a lot of passive investments now, and I love those. As you know, it's the ultimate form of mailbox money, which is why I think it's easy to talk to investors. It's like I get an ACH every month and I go, oh, good, thanks. And my phone never rings. I want more of that. So that's exactly where we're heading for sure. And how did you get exposed to the RV parks and RV storage industry? So again, like I said, I've done a lot of different, it's almost schizophrenic, the number of uh, different commercial assets I've been involved in. But last year we did a couple multifamily projects, which are going great. And then I had an opportunity brought to me to build a boat and RV storage facility up on a large reservoir. And I was like, well, that's really interesting. I'm always curious. So I couldn't help, but I say no to most things. Now I'm getting my no buttons getting bigger, but this one, I just couldn't pass up on, did the research on it. And we said, oh, hey, there's huge opportunity here. And upon doing the research, I realized that, that cap rates are trading on a much higher basis than they are for other asset classes. They are operationally complex, which is probably why they trade at a higher rate, but also there's just huge runway there. The RV and boat industry, the pandemic fueled it. It was already had excellent tailwinds, and then the pandemic just threw gasoline on an already raging fire. So that's when I just said, hey, wait, there's opportunity here. And again, I love multifamily, but we don't have to duke it out with every other syndicator for the same pool of deals. I can go somewhere where it's not blue ocean, but it's pretty close to it. So that's when I said, hey, there's opportunity here. Let's move forward and figure this thing out. What were the numbers on your last deal? Well, that's a great question. On the boat and RV storage facility, or do you want to talk RV parks? I want to talk about both of them. Okay. We only did one. It was a small project, a couple million dollar project. It's just kind of a get your feet wet deal. It was 226 units, a couple million bucks. It was 10 acres. 150 of those were 14 foot high, 12 foot wide, 40 foot deep bays. It was all gravel. We did not concrete that. And to be honest with you, Ash, we never even got the concrete. We got nothing more than the land cleared, the signs up, everything in place to take it down. And somebody else came along and bought it from us. They're like, hey, we love what you're doing. We want your project. And they bought us out. So we hit pay dirt and kept moving. So I never even actually got it completely built. So I say we built it. I halfway built it and then took a paycheck. So that's also was further confirmation that, hey, we're onto something. What was your percentage return on that deal? Did you double your money? Yeah, and then I some? personally, invested capital, yeah, which is great. And that, again, I see opportunity there, but I see even coupling that with RV parks to be a really unique opportunity because a lot of these RV parks are mom and pop run. It's a very fragmented industry. There's usually land attached to it where you can add all these ancillary revenue streams, be it boat storage, RV storage, buying properties where we got one that's probably going to go under contract here this week that it's on a reservoir. It has a marina attached to it. There's event centers. We're looking to build more of the resort style RV park and not necessarily just interstate 70 roadside pull off and stay for the night type place. But that's where we're going. Sam, mobile home parks versus RV parks. Educate us. Far Pros and complex. cons. Yeah, far more complex. Mobile home parks are great because they're lot rent, right? You mow the grass, you make sure the utilities stay working, you make sure your tenants are doing what they're supposed to do, and you collect your monthly check, as long as, of course, there's no park-owned homes, which you could have. RV parks, again, it's more operationally complex. We're looking at a deal right now. It has a marina attached to it. 
It'll have boat rentals. It will have fishing, tackle, guide service, RV park, storage. It has a lot of different moving pieces. And included with that, of course, you know, is, is increased personnel. So it's more of a business and less of a real estate play, though there is real estate obviously involved. The cool thing about an RV park is that a lot of these will have a long-term component to it. You're looking on an average of probably 60% of that is on a long-term RV stay. So people will rent the one space for an entire season. It'd be a 12-month rent, just like a lot rent at a mobile home park, which is great because they're typically better tenants. It's like the lower middle class, maybe even vacation home for for them because they can drive their RV there. They got their same spot. They even leave their stuff. They might even have a shed out back, something where they can keep all their little fun stuff for their kids to go play, and you get more for the lot. So the cool thing about it is that you're getting a greater rent with a better tenant that's not there very often, which is perfect in my book. And you get the stability of that 12-month lease on that spot. So that's a cool part of it. Your money is made, though, on the transient people staying. So say you get 800 bucks, 600 bucks a month, whatever it is, on a long-term person, you're going to get 50 to 70 bucks a night for somebody that's just coming in for the weekend. So you got to kind of balance that out. But those are some of the major differences. Interesting. Very similar to short-term rentals in residential. Mm -hmm. Very much. Now, we started this conversation with you talking about wanting to be passive. And now I'm hearing that running an RV park is a business. Yeah. Come on. What are you doing, man? Help me understand this. That's a brilliant question. And those are questions I ask myself all the time. (laughs) Like, what am I doing? The key to that is finding good partners. So really building out, I got meetings later today with building out the team with good asset managers, with people that are good operators, or at least that love operations. I'm not an operations guy. I'm just not. It's not my strong suit. I'll go out and buy stuff and probably do things that most people would be like, wait, what? What are we doing? But to get down in the nitty gritty and actually make the thing go around, I'm just not good at it. So the short answer to your question is yes, it seems a little bit nutty, but I want to find people that love to be in that day-to-day and really put the right people in the right seats in the bus. And that's what we're building out right now. Sam, what are you seeing as far as returns? Oh, gosh, low 20s on an average annual return basis. It's very, very attractive. On a cash-on-cash basis, we're in the mid-teens, 15 to 17%. So, again, as an operating business, they're going to trade at a higher cap rate. The national average right now is somewhere, and again, not that national averages really mean a whole lot because local is what matters, but it kind of gives you some ideas about 8.75% on an average of what RV parks are trading at right now. In terms of your investors' returns, is there a pref and a split? Yeah, and we're working our way through that, to be honest with you, Ash. I've always done that on our syndications, is done a pref with a split and whatever variation each deal will allow. One of the things that I've typically been disappointed with in syndications is that once you get your money back, you got to go find another deal to get into. So I want to find a way. Again, this is, this is not fully baked yet, but I want to find a way to return investors capital and then hold deals indefinitely. So I'm trying to work a way to where we can do that, have it make sense, and yet not keep equity tied up for far too long of a time. So I know it makes sense at some point to punt the deal, reap your equity, and go do it again. So just working our way through that right now. But yeah, we've certainly done it the traditional way in the past. Yeah, I love the way you're thinking. It just seems like everybody, 8% pref, 17% IRR. Okay, like I want something exciting. Yeah. And that's what we're getting right now. I mean, shoot, the the deals we're looking at right now, I mean, if you can collect a 15 to 18% cash on cash annually, 
have an annualized return of 25% if we did sell it in five to seven years. But if there's a way to make the numbers work where we can get your money back and then hold it as long as we want to, I want to go for that because I've explained my reasoning behind that, but that's where I'd love to go. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. You also mentioned this being seasonal. Why not buy RV parks in the South? Bingo. You're onto it. And another reason why we see opportunity here, because a lot of these are mom and pop owned and operated. So they're tired. Come late fall, they've been hustling it out from late May or maybe even early April, getting the place ready. They've been booked up all season long. And come October, man, they want to go sit back somewhere and hide in a corner and recoup for a few months. And that's where we see opportunities because we want to bring an institutional approach to this to where they can be open year-round. There's value add right there. We're seeing a lot of parks we haven't transacted on, but that's one of the first things they've implemented is a year-round park. Even in the Mountain West where you go, wait, you're at 9,000 feet and somehow you're figuring out a way to run an RV park in the dead of winter and people are coming and staying, which is uh, really astounding. It just kind of shows the demand for the outdoor hospitality space. But that's certainly one of the things that, that we will be doing in all of our parks going year round. Again, love the way you think outside of the box. How hard is it to get a loan on an RV park? What does financing look like? It's not as good as some of your other products. A lot of this is going to be local bank stuff, especially on your sub 10 million stuff. And our intention is not to buy anything north of that mark really as we get this figured out. I want to buy some smaller four to $8 million deals, get a few of those, really get our feet wet, figure out our process on something that's manageable and then go for the bigger stuff. So on the smaller stuff, it's all local bank. It's stuff, it's available. I don't know what rates are going to be now because of what happened this last few days ago, but it is available. It's just, you're working with your county banks. You're not dealing with, with your big institutional players on the smaller stuff, of course. Are you looking at 30% down more? Yeah, about 30. That's on average is what we're underwriting is a 30% down. So it's not an astounding hurdle to, to get over, but I'm happy with that. And we can even go less leverage and still meet some really attractive returns. Obviously, the greater the leverage, the more we can juice our investors' equity, typically, 
but on these we can even go less leverage and still get some really healthy returns. And for me, the less levered we are, the less risk there is. I'm good with that. All right, back to being more passive. What about RV storage? Oh gosh, I love that space. I love it because I think this one has legs for a while because we've seen such an uptick of RV deliveries. We had 600 and some odd thousand deliveries in 2021. We're already on track for that in 2022, which just for reference, we had roughly 350,000 deliveries in 2020. So you're seeing 40 something percent increase in deliveries in 21 over 20 and then the same in for 22, which is really crazy. But people need places to store these. Where are they going to put them? What neighborhood association wants you parking a 35-foot RV in your driveway or on the street? It doesn't happen anymore. And the largest demographic of people buying RVs now is not north of 60. It's 35 to 55 with a family. Where do most of those people live? In a city, somewhere where they can't park them, somewhere where they have to take them somewhere and store them. And once they buy them, they want to protect them. They want to take care. They want indoor storage. They want to stick them out in a muddy lot with a fence around it. They want like, oh, hey, I'm going to park this thing somewhere that I know it's protected from the elements. So that's 1.2 million RVs being delivered in the U.S. within a 24-month period. That's a lot of vehicles to store. We had a facility built hour and a half outside of Memphis in the cotton fields in northern Mississippi. 240 units was full in three months. Completely full. An hour and a half outside the city. People are driving massive distances just to find a place to park these. So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there, and we're exploring. And this is not a new concept, but we're exploring the idea of what even luxury RV storage could look like. Something with 100 amp hookups inside their unit. Maybe even going crazier and thinking along the lines of, of doing fractional ownership where they actually buy their RV slot. I don't know. Those are things on down the road, but those are kind of some of the further thinkings in this space. You're thinking crazy again. I love it. <laughs> Help me understand, if I see a industrial space, a large warehouse, what do I need to turn that into RV storage? A bay door that's what, 14 foot tall? 14 feet tall, 12 feet wide, yeah. Okay. And then it doesn't matter how high the ceilings are as long as they're 14 feet or higher, right? I guess. Yeah, that would make sense. That would be, yeah, that would make sense. And then do they all need at least a 110 hookup? Oh, shoot. No. You get into some of these big 40-foot Class A diesel pushers, and you might even need 220. I would imagine most of them run off 110, but no, I don't, I don't own one, so I haven't done the research on what that would take to convert a facility like that. But yeah, I don't know. In, no, in terms of returns, would you rather chase RV storage or RV parks? Good question. Depends on the model. I like RV parks. It just kind of does something for me. I don't know. I like it. Outside of the returns, it's just kind of more fun for me to think about owning RV parks across the country than RV storage. I think both of them have a very attractive return profile, though. Sam, what's the hardest lesson you've learned in transitioning to the RV industry? Tough question here, Ash. I would say really just because it is so fragmented and because there's just not as much information out there is really getting the education part of that nailed down. That's probably it, is getting what I feel like is thoroughly educated. I feel like I understand multifamily really well, or at least well enough to be dangerous. In this, it's like, okay, I've got to really up my understanding of this space game, especially as it becomes more operationally complex. And I think that's a hurdle that I'm working through. And again, while I'm looking for excellent partners that can help really come on board on the operation side. Sam, I'm going to paint a picture for you. Imagine you have to start all over. You lose everything. All you have is your knowledge and your network. What's your 30-day plan? If I need funding, like if I'm dead flat freaking broke, 30-day plan is to get 50 grand in the bank. 
I'd say, all right, I need some runway. And if I need to generate cash really, really quickly, I go to single family wholesale and I go out and I'd hustle for 30 days. And I think I could generate 50 grand in wholesale fees in, in 30 days. And if I did that, then I'd have some money and then I'd turn around and start a commercial syndication business all over again. Awesome. Sam, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Find a mentor. That's it. Find somebody you know, like, and trust. I always say don't hire the guru, but no do. Run away from courses. If the person's selling you a course but doesn't do it, don't talk. Just leave. But if you want to accelerate your game, find somebody that's ahead of you and pay them for their knowledge and get out your checkbook. That's it. Be prepared to pay up for somebody that knows what the heck they're doing and don't be cheap about it. Sam, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right, Sam, what's the best ever book you recently read? Ooh, shoot, man. That's a great question. It's all about leadership. It's the four success principles. Hang on a second. I'm going to tell you here. It's on Audible. The four disciplines of execution. There it is. I was close. The four disciplines of execution. It's a great book. I'm halfway through it and loving it. What's your big takeaway so far? <laughs> You're going to kill me. It's called Focus. That's the first one. <laughs> that whatever it is, focus, which goes back to my point of why I've said, look, we are going long in the RV park space. If storage comes along with it, that'll be a secondary bonus. But for us right now, we're going long solely in RV parks. I need to read that book as well. Sam, what's the best ever way you like to give back? I feel like there's nothing left to give back. To be honest, Osh, we took in three foster kids last February, six, three, and eight months old. And it's still a daily grind. When wow. You have kids who are from a trauma and abuse background. There's just no rest for the weary. And I'll tell you here, 13 months later, we were very, very tired. So right now, that is my give back, is trying to turn kids that have been, like I said, from a severe trauma and abuse background into decent humans, hopefully someday. Amazing. And Sam, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Man, first of all, the How to Scale Commercial Real Estate Podcast. It's a daily show, much like yours. Listen to that. And then secondly, you can catch me at our website, Bricken, B-R-I-C-K-E-N, investmentgroup.com. Sam, thank you again for joining us today, telling us your story from being an entrepreneur in the flooring industry, being exposed to real estate, getting into multifamily, and finally getting your niche in RV parks and RV storage. And we appreciate you sharing all of your knowledge with us. Thank you, Ash. Appreciate it. Best ever listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share the podcast with someone you think will benefit from it. Please also follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.